Growing up in an urban setting doesn't mean you can't experience the land and all the benefits of it. From finding a place to fish to experiencing a farmer's market allows for that connection. All of us grow from family roots that were established on the land. I'm Joey Bland, and from Circle O Productions, this is Seasons. Today, I'm sitting in an office on South Perkins Road in Memphis, Tennessee, with someone who's become a good friend, Sinchel Matthews. Sinchel, I remember the first time we met and how our connection began as we talked about land and farming and food and poverty. I saw a light in your eye that day that I don't often see. I knew we had made a connection and I knew I'd met a friend. So we want to hear about your experience with land and your exciting future plans with land. But first, do you mind backing up and telling us about your background and where your passion for land came from? I would love to, Joey. And thank you. Um, I also feel like I've met a friend in you because you're equally passionate about the things that I love and hold dear. I would say it's it's been a combination of things throughout my life that draw me to land. I would say when I was a little girl, it started with my grandmother. She would tell me stories of her past, how she grew up as a young girl being a sharecropper to make money. Um, to make ends meet for her family. It was her and her brothers and how she picked cotton and how they also had a small patch of land that they grew their fruits and vegetables to sustain themselves. Wow. Um, and so I was born in Miami, Florida, born and raised there. So as you know, it's a very fast-paced urban city with lots of land, different land um, options for you to explore and participate in extracurricular activities. So I spent a great deal of my time at the beach. I also spent a great deal of time with my grandmother fishing, and we would fish in the Everglades in this place called Alligator Alley. And the wow. reason they called it Alligator Alley is because it was well, always... yes. <laughs> right. But they wouldn't bother us. They were yeah. used to humans, and so we would sit on a dock and fish. And we had a tradition in our family every Friday was a fish fry Friday. Ah. So everyone would get together and had would have fried fish or and spaghetti and whatever we caught is what we ate (laughs) so we ate a lot of brim and catfish um and it was just it it brought us together and those memories are so fun when i reflect back and so as i got older my next connection with land was when i was in high school i went to a really cool high school called william h turner technical high and it was set up like college you got to pick your major and at the time I thought I wanted to be in business and finance so that was my major but I found out that we actually had a farm on campus my first day there in the ninth grade so I walked over and met all the ag kids because those kids picked agriculture as their their major for the next four years and they had cows and goats and chickens and they had a hydroponic um, farm in the Did back they really? wow. yes all the way in 1996 and so that was my first time to say oh wow this is where our food come from I mean I knew that you just didn't go to a grocery store and it just sprouted animals and <laughs> fruits yep. and vegetables yep. but I really didn't have that clear connection of how you can use the land in the in nature to grow substance and so that piqued my interest but not enough for me to leave my major so yeah. I went to, went away to, to college and 
I'm not sure how many people are familiar with Tennessee State University, but that's a land-grant institution. Right, and and just to pause right there, because I think this is important, um, I guess, was it after Reconstruction that the federal government set up these land-grant universities? Yes. And so in, in the state where we reside, Tennessee, the University of Tennessee was set up as a land-grant university, but at the same time, because of reconstruction they had a historically black at that point it wasn't historical because they were beginning but a black college or university that was also designated as a land-grant university so in tennessee we have the university of tennessee in knoxville and we have tennessee state university located in nashville that are our two land-grant universities and you are an alumnus of tennessee state university yes and so that was really exciting to learn about just their ag program, but that didn't happen until after I was a sophomore. But yeah. we would have conversations about what it took to manage livestock and the different experiments they were doing with various crops, and that was super exciting to me. Um, so I ended up majoring in history and geography because I also love history just as much as I love um, land, and it really kind of gave me like an overview of the growth of the United States of America. And my focus was the antebellum South and um, how that economy was working. And cotton was king amongst other crops, um, tobacco, indigo, and all those different crops. So I, I actually got the opportunity to learn how we grew as a nation. And that was super exciting to me. So when I graduated, I ended up working in mental health because I thought I was going to be teaching history, but that's a, another story for another time. Yeah, Did that for five years, and then it enabled me to go and get my master's in city and regional planning. So I, I keep coming back to the land, and I didn't even realize that until after I reflected probably last year just how deep inside of me the love for land really kind of steered my direction career-wise. Um, and so I, when I was working in mental health, I noticed the kids we were serving they we gave them tools to be successful when when they went back home to their environment they were unsuccessful so that spirit you know inspired me to go and see how can i fix the physical environment so people can thrive and when i learned um in grad school was our deep connection with land and land and nature period because after i started grad school hurricane harvey not Harvey, Katrina yep. hit New Orleans. Wow. And we We took, all remember that. We do. That was quite devastating. And the power of water. And, yep. you know, that was my first experience with that. I mean, I've been in hurricanes before because I'm from Miami, but nothing to that magnitude. Right. And our class went down there and saw the devastation. Yeah. And saw the people and how they lost their homes and their land was destroyed. And they were trying to create stronger local food chains because They couldn't get food in and out because everything was destroyed. And so that really kind of brought me back again to the point, well, maybe I need to rethink designing cities in the way that's traditional and see how can we incorporate agriculture and um, wealth value chains for producers so we don't have to get our food from other countries, but we'll have really strong systems within each city. So when natural disasters hit, we won't be confused, lost, and there's a lot of people that's hungry and destitute. Um, so after I graduated grad school, I had an opportunity to work for an amazing organization called Heifer International. Yeah. Um, and that changed my life. Yeah. So let's pause right there because I want to get into Heifer International. <laughs> but you have already um, 
like told me so much about yourself that that we need hours to <laughs> unpack all of this. So I want to back up for just a minute. Sure. And I want to ask you, I mean, your grandmother was a sharecropper. Mm-hmm. Like she worked, you know, that means sharecropping, the way I understand it, means that someone owned the land, land and a sharecropper could work. They could basically rent some of that land. It was a pretty meager existence, mm-hmm. pretty difficult. A lot of, you know, typically sharecropping was done manually. You're not talking about tractors and a lot of this. And so, but it, that's the way she grew up as a, as a young girl. Is that right? Yes. Um, the landowner name was Mr. Charlie. That's how she always referred to him. And yeah. she was very grateful for the opportunity because she said the money that her and her brothers made while they were sharecropping paid for their school clothes. It helped contribute to the food allowance in the house and just basically helped the family survive. Yeah. And so I know many people see sharecropping as a feudal system that's very dehumanizing, but that's how many people in rural America sustain themselves. So she had a very great pride in doing that. And she also explained to me how important it is to always know how to grow your own food, how to engage in animal husbandry, um, how to really be a landowner one day because that's power, that's sustainability, that's your survival. That's wealth building. And wealth building, definitely. Um, And so... I knew long term that I did want to own land. But, you know, when you're a little kid and you hear these stories, you can't contextualize how important it is until you're older and have experience and and lean back on those conversations. Like, oh, that's what she meant. That was so important. And I think oftentimes people in rural communities are overlooked and undervalued. Because we are so all accustomed, the majority of us are accustomed to big city life, but we don't understand that's the backbone of our community, rural communities, because not only do they do a great deal of the growth for our food and commodity crops, but a lot of our manufacturing don't, it doesn't happen in the city core. And so we have to preserve that way of life because it, that's where many of us got our origins from. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to me, the disconnection people from rural life the urbanization of america which has happened in my opinion on large scale since kind of the 70s mm-hmm. uh when when our our government kind of went to industrializing agriculture and that really began kind of dismantling the family farms it began to be hard to just have a hundred acres and to really make a, a living out of it in a career but i think you're right the disconnection of people and yet most any of us if we go back one generation two generations three generations it it, it there's somewhere in your lineage that people were were leaning on the land for their sustenance that's where we all come from so i think that's fascinating and and how interesting to see how your grandmother really saw something that often sharecropping gets a lot of negative connotations with it that it was really um this positive thing for for them because it really added to their life you you had a really strong i can tell family of origin Mm -hmm. y'all you you had friday fish fries lots of traditions lots of traditions and and that's interesting you also mentioned that you had a, a farm 
family farm, I think you said around Somerville, Tennessee. Yes. And so in the summertime, so I would say for at least five or six years, we would come back to Tennessee um, in the summers when school was out. And I w- had the, the blessing to be with my kinfolk here in the city of Memphis. But uh, we would go to the summer, Somerville, to the, the family farms and the, the locations that was out there. And I remember you know, stepping out of the car the first time I ever was in Somerville and the air just felt different and it smelled so nice. Like (laughs) it was very greeny and um, it was just foliage everywhere and big trees. And, you know, I'm from Miami, Florida, beaches and, you know, skyscrapers and lots of concrete. And so I think I may have been eight or nine that first time that I went and actually played in the woods and ate fresh vegetables out of the garden for dinner like squash and I never had a squash before especially one that was picked that morning um and fresh strawberries and it just blew my mind the food just tastes Mm, totally different than what I was accustomed to and then of course being from Miami I was blessed to be surrounded by so many different cultures and different cuisine and so you know I think when I would come back to Somerville and Memphis it was coming back to the basics (laughs) and I loved it yeah yeah wow that's fascinating I love to hear that and and just your description of that I I'm I'm envisioning honeysuckle and just those fresh smells that Mm -hmm. you get when you're out like that um well that's that is really amazing how your family so you kind of had two it sounds like connections to land farming uh, one is a little bit more urban mm-hmm. uh, with your miami connection and your grandmother there but then one's more rural with your connection in tennessee and somerville and visiting and the things that you enjoyed there um, the fresh food is something that i think people miss a lot today um, you talked about that, noticing the difference in the flavor, in the taste. And I think that people today don't really realize how our food is grown really for shelf life. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to the grocery store and if you're buying, which I do, I'm not being critical. Uh, this is our typical Saturday routine. But the things that you're buying there are really grown for shelf life. They're not grown for nutrition. They're not grown for taste and flavor that really your local growers do but you experienced that as a child you noticed it you noticed the differences yes and another memory from childhood so just to juxtapose that rural experience to the urban experience me and my grandma would go um, on the weekends to like I can't even call it a bazaar, but on 12th and 23rd Street, there was like all these vendors and and local farmers that would put out produce and goods, um, value added goods like jams, jellies and things of that nature. And we would buy a lot of our produce from there. We wouldn't go to the grocery store. We didn't start shopping at a grocery store for fruits and vegetables till I probably was like 16. And so for most of my life, I would go there and we would pick collard greens and bell peppers and mustards. Um, And then, of course, we got into some of the um, indigenous foods like the tamarinds um, and, of course, mangoes. And so I've always had a really great, healthy connection with fruits and vegetables because my grandmother, even though she, you know, transplanted herself into an urban environment, she never let go of her love for like fresh fruits and vegetables. Yes. Wow. What a rich history you have. Rich history with family, rich history with land, rich history with food as well. For Sinchelle, her strong family ties with her grandmother 
ingrained in her a love for land. And despite growing up in an urban setting, her family connection to the farm was influential in creating Sinchelle's land passion. At Seasons Podcast, our purpose is to educate people about land investment with the goal of seeing a hundred people who don't currently own land become landowners. Our method is helping people reconnect with land through hearing other people's stories. For more information, go to our website, delta-farmland.com. Thank you for joining us today.